Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, Wellness Walks. I'm Hannah Bright Wellness, the female's coach, and I'm here to talk to you about topics covering all things to do with female health, both physical and mental. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get stuck in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wellness Walks podcast. Hope you're all having a fantastic week. If you're in the UK and you're out on a walk whilst listening to this episode, make sure you're wrapped up because it's cold. If you're the other side of the world, somewhere sunny, then enjoy. On this week's episode, we have Sana, a nutritionist and hormone and gut health expert. So welcome to the podcast, Sana. Hi, thank you so much, Hannah. I do appreciate it. Um, so a little bit about me. I am a nutritionist and, and I help women with long-standing gut and hormone um, issues feel lighter, brighter and happier again. So gut health is absolutely my happy place without a doubt. So just a little bit about why I, I kind of joined the nutrition world. Um, so I guess like many people in my 20s and 30s, I kind of plowed on um, creating a professional career. In my case, it was forensic science and the energy industry. And I spent a lot of time traveling across the country, living in hotels, doing my absolute best to, to kind of meet the demands of a busy career with family and friends and unwavering love of any kind of high intensity fitness as well. That was my my definite thing that I love to do. But you know, I burnt the candle at both ends, as a lot of people do, and my gut, my health suffered massively. Um, over the years, my ability to kind of tolerate pain in my gut just increased, increased, increased. But that never-ending bloating, that anxiety, that those sleepless nights where the pain was so much, I just thought I had to deal with it until there was one week I remember, actually, and I was just running for a train in Waterloo Station, and... I just felt like my body just froze and I collapsed and I just hit the platform floor and I ended up in A&E. So then I, you know, I went through lots of tests, lots of scans to find out what was wrong with me. And ultimately there was nothing wrong with me. I had IBS and that was it. So me being me, I was like, right, no, I really want to find out what the root cause of my gut pain was. So I then spent, I took a career break and then I spent months and months and months researching. And that's what kind of led me to the science of nutrition. And since then, I've rebuilt my health. I've completely changed my lifestyle, um, completely changed the way I approach life um, and also changed my my diet. And it's helped massively. I live completely symptom free now. I love food. I love every, you know, so, and I, I still do my high intensity fitness, just not as much as I used to. So some things never change. So yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. It's so interesting to hear how you've got to where you are now. Um, yeah. And I bet a load of people can relate to the symptoms that you spoke about and the, the pain that you were going through for weeks and months beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, and the gut, again, the gut is so complex. It really is. Yeah. Um, but there's loads to kind of cover without a doubt. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, we're going to try and condense it in, down as much as possible today, although I'm sure we're probably going to have to have a follow-on episode after this. Okay, okay. All right, so let's get started. So why should people care about their gut health, even if they don't actually have issues themselves? Oh, God, there's so many reasons for that. Um, well, first of all, if I if I just kind of explain um, a little bit about the microbiome, that will kind yeah. of help because then that will form the basis of why people really should care. Mm-hmm. So... 
essentially your, your gut microbiome, your gut bacteria, it's a huge, it is a massive ecosystem of absolutely trillions of organisms, such as bacteria, such as yeasts and also fungi. Um, and also you have viruses that live naturally in your digestive tract. And collectively, these weigh up to two kilos, which is heavier than the average human brain. So it is huge. It is, wow. it is pretty good. And you you kind of each, everyone has got their own kind of personal microbiome that you begin from birth. Um, now, we need the majority of these little bacteria, these organisms, to really impart their positive health benefits so these are called like good gut bacteria but we also have good yeasts and good fungi too so okay. we really need to look after that huge ecosystem to try and achieve plenty of good bacteria over bad bacteria so we can make sure that we can support our health and actually how they support our health is still being discovered it's such a fascinating area of research it really is yeah, um, amazing. but I mean, why why should people care? Oh gosh, even if they don't have bloating, <laughs> and I do envy those people. Oh, I know, same massively. <laughs> I really do, but I think one of the big things is you know if you suffer from anxiety or depression, or if your your mental health isn't great, you know if your moods are all, all over the place, it is critically important to feed your gut bacteria your good gut bacteria and address any imbalances and the reason for that is because your gut bacteria produce around 90 percent of your neurotransmitter serotonin and that's known as the happy hormone i mean serotonin does way more than just being the happy hormone yeah. it's, it's involved in so many different things but essentially it's responsible for regulating our emotions so all of our emotions and actually one of the um exciting areas of research that's just coming up now into the microbiota is showing its impact on the brain and how it actually influences human behavior so the the kind of gut brain um microbiotal axis so it's almost like a direct link from your brain to your gut is found to have a role in many psychiatric conditions such as schizophrenia but New research is now suggesting it goes way beyond just psychiatric conditions and actually can influence your personality traits, influencing your mood, but also has an effect on conditions such as autism and also anxiety and depression. So it is hugely important for mental health, definitely. It really wow. is. That's amazing, actually. I think most people just think of gut health as a physical, you know, gut issues that you can feel within yourself, but there's so much more to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's also a huge role that your gut plays um, with your immune system. You know, we've just gone through what well, we're going through winter. Um, so at least 70 percent, at least 70 percent of your immune system is, is located in your gut. And what happens day by day, so minute by minute of every single day, your gut and your immune system communicate constantly. So when your gut health suffers, your immune health does as well. Um so increased amounts of things like bad bacteria, they really hinder your immune system and prevent it from working well. And this, this gives you a level of vulnerability to bacteria, to parasites, but also viruses. And actually what it can lead to, if you have you know, not great gut health and immune um, system health for a long time, it can lead to autoimmune disorders such as Hashimoto's and lupus as well. So 
as well as you know being absolutely critical for for brain health it's absolutely essential for immune health um and the other thing actually which i think would be quite interesting to go into is it affects your body composition so it has a direct correlation to your weight and your fat ratio your muscle ratio etc um and that's because your the microbiome so all the good bacteria it, it helps you in proper insulin production which is the hormone that regulates your blood sugar levels so they affect those gut those specific gut bacteria affect our weight because um well actually there's two two dominant bacterial divisions that directly impact your weight one um area is one um, class of uh, bacteria is firmicutes and the other is bacteriodites so these two different bacteria they affect our weight because they regulate how much energy we can actually absorb from our food yeah. so you can actually find out how how many you've got of each you know by doing a stool test but yeah. firmicutes they absorb more energy from food, which basically means you're extracting more calories from food, whereas bacteriodites, they absorb less. So research shows that firmicutes dominant gut microbiomes are actually associated with increases in weight gain, inflammation, and then the associated chronic diseases. Whereas having bacteriodites dominant gut, on the other hand, is associated with having a leaner body composition. So it really can affect your your yeah. body composition as well. And again, that's a whole area of research. That's something I hadn't even heard before. That's yeah, oh, it's wow. it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and and again, this is this is how expansive the gut is. How much research is out there, and why it's so exciting at the yeah. moment. So if if you if you struggle with your immune system, if you're struggling with you know body composition, if you're you know any kind of mood disorders, anxiety, depression, if you're having issues you know with any kind of hormonal issues, your gut is absolutely critical to that as well. Plus, the other thing is if you are having any skin issues. So, um, there's something called the gut skin axis. There's a lot of gut axis you know axes, yeah. but the gut skin axis. Again, between your gut and your skin, any kinds of inflammation that you've got in your gut can show as eczema, acne, psoriasis and rosacea. They're all often linked to gut imbalance or inflammation in your microbiome. So by really looking after your gut, you can make a, a huge difference yeah. to your um, your skin, your immune system, your overall health. Yeah, you really can. It's already like you've already kind of highlighted how it's the hub of everything you know it affects so it many different areas which I don't think people are aware of and I think the skin problems is one that I think most people maybe are a bit more aware of but what would you say are the other most common gut health issues that people have the most the most common ones that I do find in um that I do see when I when I see people in clinic it, it things start bloating yeah. everyone bloating gas and discomfort any kind of you know and sometimes with women it's linked to the menstrual cycle yeah. um but with you know men as well it's just it just can be due to the way you eat food but essentially what bloating gas and discomfort is all kind of down to is is larger food particles in your intestine so what happens is your bacteria have to work so much harder in order to kind of break it down and sometimes 
it just gets tired and it's like the food just rots or ferments is a probably a nicer way to put it in your gut and this is what causes the gas the bloating and the yeah. discomfort so it's fermenting rotting putrefied food I know I'm so sorry I should have put it a better way but you know what I mean but that yeah. essentially is, is essentially what it is um and sometimes, you know, if you're not passing a, you know, if you're not having a bowel movement every day, having constipation, that's another massive issue that I see. Yeah. I mean, we all are completely individual um, in our regularity, but difficult or hard to pass stores, they really indicate constipation. And if you find that it's a regular occurrence, you might need a bit of extra support. Sometimes, you know what, it can just be temporary. You know what it's like if you go traveling yeah. um, and you just, it's the sort of food that you're not used to eating and suddenly you, you, your gut just kind of freezes. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Or it could be a period of stress that you, you know, you're going through. So again, it can just be temporary, but longer term, it, you know, if it's an issue, it should absolutely be addressed. Um, the one thing I would say with any kind of bowel movement is always, always check for blood in the stool because that is a red flag. As soon as you see that, go to your GP without a doubt. So that's something definitely to keep an eye on. So yeah, no. don't be afraid to to look. Yes, it, no. it could it could make a huge difference. Um, the other, I think, the other thing that I see a lot is is things like you know, a lot of people if they're not having diarrhea, they have, if they're not having constipation, yeah. they have diarrhea. And this can be completely normal sometimes. It's just a normal reaction. The body just clears out unwholesome food. For example, if you've had food poisoning, your body just wants to get rid as soon as possible. Um, but you know what? Sometimes chronic use, so long-term use of artificial sweeteners can yeah. actually cause diarrhea. So that's something to kind of be mindful of. Um, and another biggie, definitely, and it's something that I, I certainly suffered with, and it's really common, is IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's just, honestly, and, it, and essentially IBS is just a, a just, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, a collection of different symptoms that all are related, yeah. but it's not necessarily a diagnosable disease like irritable bowel disease, yeah. you know, for example, Crohn's ulcerative colitis. But you know what? It's so common. It affects, you know, up to one in five people in the yeah. UK at some yeah. stage of their life. It is twice as common in women yeah. as it is in men, which is just <laughs> typical. <laughs> reason for that? It's just, it's it's just the way, in a way, there's there are a number of reasons for it. It's it's again different hormonal fluctuations do affect mood. And again, it's a different stress response as well. So there are there are there are reasons for it, um, mainly due to, to to kind of hormones. And it's just one of those things. It usually does um mainly affect women between the ages of 20 and 30, but you know what? It can hit at any age and it yeah. is a lifelong condition. Um, it can persist on and off throughout your life, but again, it just depends on what's happening in your life at the time. Okay, so just on that topic quickly, can you cure IBS or or did you say this? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can. I mean, it's essentially that's what I had. Yeah, that's what I had. So I, I mean, so stress is an absolute biggie when it comes to IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. Because when you are stressed, your body is in the kind of sympathetic nervous system, meaning it's fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So this, what happens is with the, the gut brain axis, your brain suppresses 
any function not deemed necessarily to fight that stressor. So we haven't evolved really, you know, going back to the caveman times, we've still got that evolutionary biological response. It doesn't matter if you're facing down a tiger or if you're just stuck in traffic, your body still goes through that chemical cascade. And when you need to run from that tiger, you ain't going to be digesting anything, but it, you know, you don't need to be, you need to get all your blood or your energy to your lungs, your heart, your muscles to run or fight or freeze is the other option. So generally anything with IBS, so that's even things like your digestion, but also things like uh, fertility. So, you know, things like you may find that your, you know, your hormonal cycles, your menstrual cycles might be off whack if you're stressed as well, because you don't need to be reproducing either when you're stressed. Yeah. So, you know, everything can go off whack. Um, and the other thing is, is that when you are stressed, your stomach acid levels will be suppressed. So you're more likely to struggle with indigestions, um, indigestion problems further downstream because yeah. your food isn't broken down. You need the acid to dissolve the food. Um, so stress is definitely something to, to really focus on without a doubt. Plus, another thing to, to really think about is some actual causes of digestive issues is just poor eating habits, eating in a rush. You know, whilst you're doing something else, how many of us do that? Yeah, I do. Or I don't, I'm not even in a rush, but I just wolf down my food and I think I haven't even slowed down or taken a breath whilst eating this meal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. So you, you it's almost like giving your, your time, giving yourself time to actually chew. Digestion starts as soon as you anticipate yeah. food that gets your digestion going. So if you walk past a bakery, smells amazing, your digestive juices start to prep thinking I'm going to be eating that croissant or cake or whatever, or yeah. healthy version. Um, and then when you chew, that's when your digestion, you know, kind of your second stage of digestion, because you've got something called amylase, which is um, it kind of breaks down carbohydrates in your mouth. You need to chew your food properly. Otherwise, it will just end up um, in your gut, yeah. you know, in almost like a whole food and really make your gut hurt. Um, so, yeah, chewing, chewing effectively and taking that time out, not multitasking at all. Focusing on your meal. Focusing. Yeah. absolutely it's so it's such a simple tip but it's so hard to do for a lot of people it is yeah I was gonna say that's an easy one for people to start implementing but again it's not easy either because it's not because everyone is so busy all yeah. the time it's crazy but one of the things that you know it's it is absolutely critical it, it really does make a difference um to be able to chew your food effectively and and it almost like chew it so if someone randomly ask you to spit it out they won't be able to recognize what it is so you need to almost like you know chew your chew your liquids and, yeah. and then almost you know so yeah it's, it is it is an important step definitely definitely so interesting um so what would you say is not good for the gut then oh well apart from stress um yeah. definitely so sugar sugar it's not great so what what sugar does um and to be honest and and I, I really don't like saying this but it depends how you know how kind of wholesome your diet is but even fruit sometimes can can because it breaks down into glucose which is essentially sugar um so sugar and some kind of starchy foods they feed the wrong bacteria and also 
the wrong yeasts in your gut. So they're essentially food for viruses, food for bad bacteria and food for, you know, for yeasts as well, for the for not good yeast like candida in your stomach. So um, sugar is definitely one of the worst. Antibiotics as well. When you take an antibiotic, it absolutely, it's like a scattergun. It doesn't differentiate between good and bad bacteria. It's not a sniper, it's a machine gun and it annihilates all your bacteria. So your good bacteria and your bad bacteria. There are um, certain meds, medications that you take that can affect your digestive system. Um, And also even things as remotely as as jobs, Um, some jobs that you have with high toxin exposure. If you think about, you know, for example, gardeners with pesticides or, you know, painters, or if you're a builder working with asbestos, anything like that, that can all negatively affect your digestive system. Um, And what you might find as well uh, is if you are obviously food intolerances or food allergies. Yeah. So, again, if you know, obviously, food allergy and intolerance are completely different thing. You know, an allergy is when your immune system reacts unusually and really it can be quite mild or it can be incredibly serious, like anaphylactic shock, you know, with things like peanuts. Um, But intolerances are different. So things they can cause, you know, brain fog. Um, they can afford, you know, it cause digestive symptoms. They can cause bloating. Um, so some of the intolerances are things like, you know, dairy, uh, gluten, soy is another one, or another ones so are things like eggs, fish, and nuts. So bad sensitivities. If you are sensitive to specific foods, um, that can affect the whole body. But you know you're allergic if you have like an itchy sensation in your mouth, in your throat or your ears. That's your immune system really, you know, really flaring up to you saying, I don't want you to have this anymore. So there's a bit of a distinction, you know, with the allergy and intolerances. But with intolerances, does it apply to everyone? I know a lot of people kind of go gluten-free. Um, It is a bit controversial, to be honest, because there is um, an emerging uh, field of science that actually looks at going gluten free could possibly alter alter the gut bacteria balance negatively. So you have to weigh up the pros and cons. And so if you know and a way to kind of find out if you are insensitive or you are intolerant is um, essentially just look at remove the food that you think you're intolerant to for a period of of 21 days to let your gut kind of heal and then reintroduce it a tiny bit to see if you you do have those reactions do you do have like a negative reaction to it but what i would say if you think it just because you don't get an instant reaction you have to wait 72 hours because your body can take time to respond to that food intolerance so that's something that might be worth trying if you think you are you know, intolerant to something. I suppose some people as well, like you mentioned, you can, it can affect you, but it can affect your mood or um, you can feel low or low energy. And I suppose people don't really link the two, the food that they're possibly intolerant to and to how they're feeling and their moods and things. Which is yeah, pretty- absolutely. Again, it's just, it's just remember that gut brain axis. It is always there. And every, like the gut immune axis, they are talking constantly every second of every day they're communicating you know so again it's, it's a hive of activity your gut bacteria are 
just a it's like the it's almost like a second brain it's yeah. it's almost communicating with your you know with your actual brain and it, it and the field of research is expanding yeah so much to know um okay so then on the flip side what is good for your gut <laughs> what is it well <laughs> one of the I, I will move on to nutrition but what i would say is exercise again exercise is absolutely fantastic because again there have been so exercise it, it activates your areas of the nervous system which interact with your gut and what actually this actual interaction does it leads to changes in your microbiome's environment as the speed of the fruit the food travels through our gut so our microbes actually change with exercise and it's not just the food that influences our gut bacteria. Exercise has kind of got potent antidepressant activity as well. And it promotes greater diversity in your microbiome, which is huge. Um, and again, that is, that, that's coming from recent, re recent studies um, that will increase the number of beneficial um, good gut bacteria that you have and increase the diversity, okay. which is fantastic. I didn't which know is that. Yeah, that's amazing. It's great. It's really good. The, the nutrition tips then, what I will say, the best part of this is taking care of your gut can be so simple, so simple. And think about it more rather than, you know, what you have to take away and try and avoid and a long list of stuff. It's more about what you can add. And the first step is plant diversity, which can be as simple as switching from red apples to green apples or from red bell peppers to yellow bell peppers. So increase the number of colors, the, the number of colors that you have on your plate aim for half a plate of vegetables as much as possible because the different colors in different vegetables, they've got different polyphenols and they're different food for your good gut bacteria. Um, so they feed the diversity of your gut. So again, the more diverse plants you can have, you get a more diverse microbiome, which means it's stronger. You need an army and everyone in the army is completely different skill set. If you imagine it like that and you need them all to work together. If you just have, you know, a load of snipers, you're not going to have enough of, you know, other infantry to help yeah. to do the other, you know, okay. symptoms of the organization. So it's definitely so that is. That's one tip. One then, yeah. It's so easy to do. But again, it's just, you know, being mindful, yeah. being really conscious about it. People choose the same foods, they repeat the same foods, they oh. enjoy them, or it's just easier. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and again, getting variety in into our diet has been it has been made harder for us over the past hundred years because 70, 75% of plant diversity in the UK has been lost because farmers have been pushed to stop growing their native crops and grow kind of genetically uniform, high yield crops like cereals, you know, to make cereal, that kind of thing. So again, um, but you can do, you can do, it's really easy. You can add grains, beans and pulses to yeah. dishes. Um, again, tins of mixed beans or grains. It's a really quick win. Um, or even like a bag of mixed seeds from the shop. That's, that's a plant. Nuts and seeds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. They instantly add around four or five additional plants to your week. And don't forget, people just think generally vegetables and, you know, generally fruit, but herbs and spices, okay. they are still plants yeah. and they still count towards getting that diversity so keep some in your fridge or growing you know on your windowsill or garden and just add them add them in last yeah. minute just chop a few in um 
and when it comes to fruit and veg just keep the skin on ideally because that's where the additional fiber lots of additional nutrients are um so yeah and ideally organic if not just peel that just yeah. peel rather than getting those pesticides in you so yeah there's absolutely there's tons of things you can do yeah there's loads you can add in and yeah the main thing like you say is just mixing up variety and picking up a different pepper to the usual one or a different piece of fruit to the usual so yeah yeah absolutely and 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 I think I think it's almost then as well you know the the difference in all the plant foods so you, you've got prebiotics and probiotics and things like that so prebiotics are fantastic that that's essentially like fertilizer for your good gut bacteria fiber is essentially what your gut bacteria will eat so the more fiber you can have the more kind of prebiotic foods that you can add into your um diet the better without a doubt yeah but if you do have ibs just be wary of them yeah um because they can cause additional bloating but sometimes when you do introduce for example i don't know a jerusalem artichoke if if you want into your diet you and you haven't really eaten it before you may get that additional bloating but sometimes it is just your good gut bacteria having a bit of a party just to say yay finally some decent foods so you know is it likely if you then have it you know once a week will your gut get used to it is that how yeah essentially essentially and I think one good tip would be to just introduce a completely different vegetable um you know into your diet just once a week just when you go shopping just pick something up and just or when you do your online shop pick something up put it in your basket and just go I'm going to give that a go yeah you know quite fun try it yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely brilliant that's yeah that's really useful because I think people do find it harder to remove things like you say but yeah and it gets depressing yeah it does it feels like a negative whereas it feels quite positive adding in variety and different foods yeah yeah awesome okay and then coming on to obviously I I'm talking a lot about the menopause with my clients and just in general um and does the menopause affect gut health it it well menopause to an extent um so a lot of uh, so a lot of the the the, the kind of um, bacteria in your in your gut do actually um produce uh, estrogen as well but what essentially happens as you get older this is this is men and women as well your stomach acid there has been some research to to show that your, your stomach acid um reduces over years which means it's more difficult to digest food hence things like you know chewing or maybe taking a digestive enzyme something like that to help support you because essentially if you don't um if you don't break apart the food and absorb it effectively you're not going to get the benefits from anything so but there has been some research that is suggested that menopause is associated with a bit of a lower microbiome diversity and a bit of a shift towards to being a little bit similar to the male gut microbiome but you know what more research is definitely needed um, in larger this is just new research at the moment a larger research needs to happen again you know with women's health yeah the research is just about kind of it's a few decades behind men's research but it is you know it's it's getting there slowly 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 Um, but the one thing I would say is that the, the microbiome is one of the main regulators of circulating estrogen. So again, when you go through menopause, you absolutely, you lose your progesterone, lose your estrogen, it all fluctuates. You go on a perimenopausal roller coaster. It's all not, cannot be very good. But again, just 
looking after with menopause, one of the biggest things I would say is support your liver, support your liver, because your liver, you need to be able to support your liver to be able to break down all those um, kind of hormones that you you are producing down effectively and your liver as you get older gets more tired so the more support you can give it the better this is where things like fiber are absolutely critical absolutely critical to have because what happens is is that the the kind of broken down estrogen will attach itself to a fiber particle and excrete and be excreted from your body so with menopause make sure your bowel movements are regular as clockwork if not do something about it because it becomes even more important as you go through perimenopause and then hit menopause and even postmenopausal, you have to make sure you can, you know, your gut health is super critical for hormone health without a doubt. Definitely. On that point, it might be a completely other topic that might be too much for today, but how best can you support your bowel movements? Is there any tips that you would give for that? Absolutely. So um, the best, the best thing is to increase your fiber intake. Mm-hmm. um so firstly what i would say so you've got you've got soluble fiber you've got insoluble fiber they're two different types of fiber yeah okay um insoluble fiber your it just essentially gets it's like a big sweep through your digestive system um and so increasing your fiber to around 30 grams a day is absolutely critical if you can't do that you can just get a simple probiotic powder sorry a prebiotic powder um but the way to increase your um, your fiber intake is by um, increasing is found in the the cell walls of plant foods. So any like fruit or vegetables, ideally vegetables. So eat the skins, ideally buy organic, eat the skins. So that's how you can get and introduce way more plant food into your diet. That's how you can get up to 30 grams of fiber without a doubt prebiotics are absolutely critical so things like cooked and cooled potatoes that increases the resistant starch um so again that increases the 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 kind of fiber overall fiber intake things like the slightly green bananas as well that's a great prebiotic food um things like asparagus and chicory root if you so wish to ever (laughs) buy that you know i don't know many people do i even don't buy that but you know but things like leeks and and those kind of slightly green bananas are great as well okay definitely increase fiber increase plant foods and whole foods and please don't buy the the kind of processed foods as well the the kind of ultra processed foods even things like cereal bars they're not great they're not great for your gut health or your hormone health at all so the more you can eat closer to the whole food the better looking at the packets and looking at ingredients and seeing if you don't know what half of them are it's probably not good for your gut no absolutely not absolutely not yeah so obviously we spoke about prebiotics quite a bit but are probiotics worth it Hmm. probiotics are worth it for a very specific thing so for example if you have been on antibiotics Hmm. um you know you've had all your gut bacteria annihilated then a probiotic is absolutely fantastic um they're not necessarily great for long-term use in fact if you do have some um, digestive issues you know any kind of irritable bowel diseases, um, even IBS. Um, if you've got any kind of gut issues, for example, SIBO or Candida, it can make probiotics. People automatically just want to take a pill yeah. and it's all sorted. Fast, quick approach, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So 
Um, probiotics can actually make it worse. It can just increase the bloating. It can increase the pain. So it's only worth taking. Again, a stool test will tell you, you know, your kind of um, your good versus bad bacteria, as well as whether you've got any parasites in your gut, if you've got any viruses, you know, whatever, what kind of fungi you've got growing there. If there is a need to kind of upregulate some of your good bacteria by adding in a specific probiotic, yeah. then definitely. But the better thing to do is to use prebiotics and ideally from food just increase the variety okay yeah that's interesting um oh gosh we've covered so much there's so much that we've gone through already <laughs> um, but if we finish with kind of what are some easy changes you've probably already gone through but just to recap that the listeners can do today to make improvements to their gut health okay so if stress is your biggie if you know you are really stressed out do something, you know, do something that really calms you down, whether that is breath work, whether that is yoga, whether it is just grounding in nature, going for a walk on the beach, spending time with your friends. It's making stress reduction techniques, making it making it a priority. Most people say they don't have the time because they're too busy. You've got the time, just make it a priority. You know, even look at, you know, your 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 iPhone weekly report. How much yeah. time are you spending on that? Look at your Netflix. How many documentaries have you blitzed through? Yeah. Even meditation, you know, just five minutes a day. You've got the insight timer. You've got the balance. They're all free. Yeah. You know, just find something that even YouTube, there's loads of meditation apps on there. Um, find something that really grounds you, that really centers you because stress will affect your gut, but every other system of your body. And you don't want to end up face planting on Waterloo Station. Believe me, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do it. <laughs> Um, adding grains and, and beans and pulses to your dishes is a great way to kind of add diversity, but also cut costs, um, you know, mixed tins of beans. You can buy the bag of mixed seeds, yeah. herbs and spices, add them into your food. Don't forget, they do count towards your daily plant intake. Um, keep the skins on your veg to get that additional fiber. And things like, we're so used to grabbing the white stuff, the white bread, the white pasta, but there are so many other varieties out there. Whole wheat pasta, spelt pasta, black rice, brown rice, seeded loaves, whole grain wraps. So next time you're reaching for your white something, mm -hmm. just check to see it, what else there is to try. Yeah. Yeah, that's such simple changes and just adding in. Yeah, adding in more diversity. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so interesting and so insightful and so much information. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure the listeners have as well. So thank you very much for coming on. And just one other thing, if anyone wants to have a look at your Instagram or reach out to you, how can they do that? What is your Instagram and how can they contact you? So I've, I've got a website. It's OSKU Nutrition. That's O-S-K-U-Nutrition.com. And on the landing page, you can just book a call with me. And I do like a free... 30 minute call discovery call really to find out if I can help you but Instagram it's at Oscar Nutrition as well amazing I'll pop those in the show notes as well so people can find them there fantastic thank you thank so you. much for coming on today really appreciate it you're welcome take care see you later bye bye Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. 
and follow me on both TikTok and Instagram at Hannah Bright Wellness. See you next time.